0: Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream we're going to be talking all about slipped discs or how you can fix your slipped disc the right way this is going to be applicable to the lower back predominantly but the same applies if you've got a slipped disc in your neck slip bulge or herniated disc so we're going to go through sort of three a three-step process it's going to be on the board behind me so you guys know exactly what you should be doing get rid of that slip disc once and for all. If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. Uh, If you find this content helpful, you can do that by hitting the subscription button uh, below. And uh, with that being said, So that was that's what happens on the first day of the week you hit the uh intro button a little bit too fast but uh you can see on the screen next to me uh we're going to be talking really about understanding uh what is happening when you've got a slip disc bulging disc or a herniated disc and remember these are this is a spectrum uh through here and also i'll touch briefly on degenerative discs as well because they're important too and they're something that really do affect quite a lot of us as well um, we will talk about minimizing the scarring. That's really, really important, maybe more applicable to the degenerative disc. And then we're going to talk about rehab, rehab, rehab. What should we be doing to effectively rehabilitate this? And that really stems from understanding step one and step two. That way, our rehab is going to be effective rather than more of the wrong stuff. So that's really, uh, really important. I'll just kick things off with the degenerate disc or the disc that's maybe a, it's a little bit chronic uh, maybe you've had an X-ray or an MRI scan and they've said there's some degenerate, degeneration or dehydration of those discs. Uh, is it a problem that you're going to have for the rest of your life? Now, um, the one thing we wanna make very, very clear is that quite often patients get really, really agitated with those sorts of diagnoses, thinking that it's kind of like for life, you're gonna have an issue, you're gonna have back pain. And that's not the case. It means that there's a loss of integrity of that disc. But if we go through the correct rehabilitation, we can really protect it for the long term, and it's the fact that things like scar tissue, etc., develop in and around that disc, which are vulnerable, uh, vulnerable to being reaggravated because it's not healthy tissue. So, uh, really paying attention to the first few parts of this video is going to be really helpful for you if you've got a degenerative disc. If you've got a new slip disc, we want to stop it getting degenerative, so that's really, really important too. So, if we come behind to the screen, we've got understanding. Uh, what worsens the issue as the primary point and you can see on here there's a number of colors we've got the uh, the vertebra this is the sort of the normal position of the vertebra we've got uh, the abnormal position the vertebra frequently the position that we get into when we injure the thing in the first place and uh, we really want to sort of start to understand these these points really clearly so we should have as we've said many times before we should have a nice smooth lordosis that means we have a natural uh, curve through the lumbar spine it's got a backward bending curve, this is why our back, if we lie flat on the floor, we have a little arch a little hollow that is normal we don 't want to eliminate that arch during any exercises or bits and pieces and again, if you understand this you won 't make that mistake when you get into the rehab, as frequently so many people do. Uh, what we also see is 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 highlighted by the the ligaments, and that 's what I really wanted to get you guys to understand here. The disc is obviously primarily. Uh, Ligamentous in nature, there's a few complications around that or a few nuanced differences to normal ligamentous structure, but you don't need to worry about that so much. We've got the jam in the center of the donut, so to speak, the nucleus, the bit that holds the fluid that keeps the disc nice and tall. We've got the blue ligament along the front of here. This is the one that resists the curve increasing. And then you've got the blue ligament along the back of here. We've also got all of these little green ligaments which are a lot more, um, you can't see them as well on the screen. Uh, but they're there too, which are supporting. You can see there's all of this support to maintain that curve, the nice curve, the integrity on the back, and a tiny little bit of support on the front to maintain the integrity on the front. So that's really worth understanding. And when we injure the disc, it's normally done through a flexion or forward-bending activity of some description. Now if you guys have seen the uh the image before you tuned into the live today, you see a guy bending over, lifting a box and he looks like he's about to slip a disc or he's in a bit of trouble. He's smiling, so maybe he doesn't know it just yet. Um, but uh, it's, not, it's not a good position to be caught out in. It's this rounded position of the lower back. And what's actually happening when we do that? You can see it's on the model here that as we bend forwards, we're opening up these gaps between these bits of bone here. And if we do that repeatedly, maybe we spend a lot of time sat down, etc. Or maybe we do it on a one-off instance. We're going to get trauma these posterior structures and you can see here maybe not quite as clearly as as you should do there is a continuous gap through all of this now ignore the fact that the bones don't quite line up and this is of course an over exaggeration please don't think the bones separate by an inch uh, that's not happening in you but the ligaments are being stretched you can see the gap that has occurred through here where the tissue has been damaged it's been stretched beyond its normal lim- limit and you can see that if we've done this we've driven pressure through this disc here um, and on the front and we've driven the nuclear material back we're going to get a disc bulge a slipped disc now the disc hasn't popped out and fallen off to the side it's that it's bulged, and a bulge is a more accurate representation of really what's happening in those discs when they become injured, rather than the term slipped disc, because it's not like you can just poke it back in place. That doesn't really work. What's happened is the ligaments and the tendon—sorry, the ligaments primarily through here—have become damaged and allowed the constant compression of gravity to allow this fluid to seep out towards the side, maybe through a couple of layers, leading to that bulging taking place because those ligaments that were holding it nice in place have torn a little bit and that means the distance is greater here and they can bulge out especially through weak spots in those ligaments. But in order for that to happen to the disc here it must have damaged some of the other ligaments that maintain and protect that normal lordosis, that normal curve, the integrity of this spine so that when it moves the whole thing unloads rather than one particular joint unloading and bending forwards. And this is really, really quite vital because what people commonly then do is they have one injury. Maybe it's L4-5, or more commonly L5-S1. Those are the two big ones in the lower back. In the neck, it's commonly going to be 4-5 and 5-6. That's C, 4-5 and 5-6, C for cervical spine. Uh, But in the lower back, at L4 and L5, these are the common ones that get injured, and it's commonly a forward-bending injury. And we see on x-rays, standing up, the patient's lost the curve. Now, if we've pulled these apart, what starts to happen is the body wants to bring them back together so they can knit back up and go through that contractile process of repairing and building back integrity into this spine. But all too often, people are doing these forward bending exercises. They're doing the cat camel. They're doing child's pose. They're doing knee hugs because of a number of issues that we've addressed in previous live streams. But they're basically misunderstanding tension in the lower back caused by the slip disc with a, a, a with with something that needs to be stretched rather than something that needs to be relaxed and brought back together again now you might get symptoms going down the leg with a slip disc you might get symptoms in the back with a slip disc commonly when the disc is first injured you're going to get a degree of stiffness or discomfort in the lower back and that commonly progresses to maybe it goes into the glutes and then with time and ignoring it for long enough it'll start to become a problem that goes into the leg maybe it's shooting pain, maybe it's numbness on the big toe, a number of different things can result. But it's normally something that started off with a bit of stiffness, normally first thing in the morning as well. And what's happening here is these ligaments are trying to heal. Now if we're repetitively pulling them apart, this is where it can turn degenerative. Because what starts to happen is your body will heal. People say, oh well how do you heal the slip disc? How does it heal? Your body is trying to heal it every single day, every single night in particular, and you will try and go through that natural healing process because your body knows there's something wrong there it's probably been doing this long before you had the severe pain associated with the slip disc it's probably when you're having the aching pain associated with the slip disc that commonly is just a bit of stiffness and what's happening is all this red area here you're trying to fill that in with scar tissue and that's not a good idea because you keep doing those forward bending exercises that open out those spaces and that creates Uh, it allows scar tissue to create rather than that scar tissue be remodeled back into normal healthy tissue like this because we're repetitively pulling those discs forwards we're doing those knee hugs to pull this spine round or that posterior pelvic tuck um, in a a misguided fashion so that leads to poor quality healing healing will always take place it's just whether it's good or bad healing that takes place with lots of scar tissue or less scar tissue and that's partially to do with the types of collagen that's laid down And the remodeling process that takes place in those ligaments but if we don't understand this concept here we will have there's no point doing the rehab there's no point because you'll be doing the wrong rehab and you're really going to struggle with getting any lasting solutions to that slip disc or bulging disc or even herniated disc and obviously when it's very very severe there are sometimes only only surgical options that are available because of of things like cordia which hopefully many of you guys watching this video or the overwhelming majority of you will not have and that's really important, and that's maybe for another video, you can look into that uh, yourselves. So that's the things that we want to understand first and foremost. I've already touched on minimizing the scar tissue, and this comes from sensible rehab and sensible practices. And we put this together in the Back in Shape membership site where you guys can understand some of these principles that things like the knee hugs are not a good idea. Excessive sitting, which has been such a great feature of the last three or four months during lockdown, people just spending all day sat down, starts or lends itself to slouching to rounding to stopping this going through a normal healing process those are the issues that lead to more scar tissue development and and what i would say just as a little side note with regards to joining the back in shape the premium membership there will help you better understand in in bite-sized chunks exactly what you need to be doing for your rehabilitation and what you need to be avoiding but don't do this in conjunction with other exercises. We've had patients that have been, or people that have been members, that have been do, starting off initially doing the back in shape uh, protocols alongside knee hugs and, and chin tucks. For, for the, sorry, not, not chin tucks. Knee hugs and and, and, and uh, child's pose. It, so they've been doing the right stuff, but they've also been doing the wrong stuff at the same time because more is better. Well, you do this from these guys and this from these guys and this from these guys. You need to incorporate. If we, if you, if you subscribe to what we say on a mental level, on an academic level, please don't confound things by doing other exercises from other pro- protocols or other plans, because invariably they will directly contradict what we're saying here. The, the most stark example of that would be the NHS guidance. If you've got a slip disc and you go on the NHS website, they're going to be telling you to do knee hugs and and cat camel and ch- um, child's pose stretches. Uh, because they're working is developed by the physiotherapy department which is working on a different schedule to a different philosophy to a different understanding they're just trying to address that muscle tension and they're not looking in the detail that we look into they don't look at it through the same lens we look at in the clinic so you're going to get different conflicting advice please don't pair them up because neither will help you Um, and that's really a really really important point that I, i can't stress enough and then the third part of this sort of three part thing is the rehab we've already touched on it you've got to do the right rehab you've got to start off with something that takes the pressure the stress and strain off these and puts you back in a position like this the lumbar towel exercise being a fantastic example you want to make your hips as mobile as possible in the short to medium term so that they're not putting unnecessary stress and strain through your lower back and limiting the movement that goes through the hips so your back has to work harder and aggravate that area more if you've got a staff member in a team of 10 people or a team of five people, for example, because yeah, there's five lumbar vertebrae, and one of them's not feeling very well, they're taken out, they're really in trouble, they're, they're sick, they're not able to focus, you put them on the bench, you let them relax, and the other te- the rest of the team starts to take the stress and strain, and that's your hips. As your hips working a little bit harder so your lower back team member can really recover, that L5 disc or that L45 uh, disc um, can recover. So we want to work on the hips to make sure that they are flexible enough to help because quite often the hips haven't been doing their work for a long period of time and that's where the lower backs become stressed and strained in the process and then we also want to re-engage that core as well and then once we've got sort of out of the woods and we're able to move around a little bit more we really want to be starting to strengthen and engage and rebuild that core with the same principles that we learned in this top part here we don't want to then go great i'm starting to feel better i'm moving around the house a bit more Let's get on with those sit-ups and leg raises. Or let's go and do, you know, 30 Russian twists. Or let's do a yoga class, uh, just, you know, because I feel up to it today. No, don't do that. Ligaments, which is primarily what the disc is made of, or the injured part, are, are very, very slow to heal. It's part of the reason why a lot of people will do something in the garden, for example, on Saturday, and then it's Sunday morning that they start to feel in a lot of trouble, and by Monday they're really, really in trouble. Because there's that slow reaction of those ligaments, there's that slow um, inflammation buildup of those ligaments, and, and also a very slow healing process that takes place. So your discs, whether it's slipped, bulged, or herniated, will go through a slow healing process. And most people will feel better before the damage has healed, before this scar tissue has resolved, and before you're back in this position effectively there will still be weakness in those tissues. They need to remodel. They need to readapt to new stresses. And that does take time. And it's that window that then becomes quite a opportunity for relapse because people start to forget. And they go and do a yoga class or they go and do uh, a certain specific exercises that counteract these principles we've already discussed. And that's when they catch things back out again. Or they may be absentmindedly in the garden and just bend down to do something without engaging the core, without going down on one knee because the pain isn't there anymore. And that's something we really want to be careful of in the weeks and few months that follow recovering from the source of slip discs. So hopefully that sort of has, has given you guys a good understanding of how these things happen and how you should fix a slip disc, what lens you should look at the injury through so you can better understand it and then reduce the amount of scar tissue that's going to develop And if you've already had those degenerate discs, you've already got that diagnosis of degenerative disc disease or something to that effect or arthritis in the spine or spondylosis, those sorts of words, which all essentially mean the same sort of thing. You don't need to count yourself out. You just need to work a little bit harder on the rehab front and pay that extra bit of attention to your movement patterns and be a little bit more clean with the way in which you're moving and using your body on a daily basis and a little bit stronger than the average or your your, your contemporaries. And that way you won't have a back problem you'll be strong, you'll be able to do all the things you wanna do and there won't be any issues for the long term. It's just that you're a little more vulnerable and with a little bit of of compensatory uh, adjustments, you're gonna do absolutely fine. So hopefully that video has been helpful. And we'll get into Q and A.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, I'm just
0: gonna turn the mic on. Yeah
1: hopefully you guys can hear me better today yeah um,
0: uh, listen to your feedback and yes. hopefully Lara should be more audible yes today
1: um, I thought I'd just start off with a comment I got a text so I, I usually do text everybody to see how they're getting on when they do sign up to uh, the Back of Shape program I uh, got a text here from Sue uh, just going off of what you said Mike uh, she said I'm getting on very well thanks this is a recurring problem I've had since I slipped a disc these exercises have worked far better than the NHS exercises so that's you know that's, yeah. that's really great and it does uh, go, to, go to show that we do prescribe very different things yeah to what it is really
0: like really different yeah and, and some people will, will ask before they join even the free version which is free um it, it's a it's a fairly logical argument the, the points that we lay out are fairly logical They're based on all the imaging that we do and uh you know how many of the how many times have you guys been to the nhs you've been to your gp and you say i'd like to get an image done because i think it would be helpful and they go you don't need an image we know what's wrong it's a muscle go to physio well, of course they're not going to prescribe you the right exercise because they don't have a clue with, with what, they're, what they're actually seeing. Most of the time your GP gets a scan, they're not looking at the image. They're looking at a report, a written report. And, and from, from our experience, because we get written reports and we get images, the amount of times that what's written on the report just does not at all give you, guys, give you as a practitioner or that GP the full understanding of what's going on is just astounding. We get patients come in and it say exactly, this, you look at the two x-rays side by side and you go, these look like the same sort of spine. Maybe there's some minor differences, but they're pretty much the same. One will be 20. The other will be 60. And in both reports, they will say normal age related wear and tear. The amount of times I've seen that in people of substantially different ages, it is a stupid argument it really bothers me because it misleads people like you guys watching this into thinking that it's just normal age-related wear and tear. It's a 20-year-old and a 60-year-old with visibly the same spine, but the reports say that it's normal age-related wear and tear. That cannot occur. And it's, there's too many times that the, 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 the those practitioners that are recommending you guys exercises have no knowledge of imaging, and they have no knowledge of, knowledge of your imaging and therefore recommend things that don't work and uh, just listen to the to the to the the reasons we recommend what we recommend and and it should really make a lot of sense to lots of you yeah but don't keep doing those exercises Trouble. that they recommend if you're going to do what we say because then it's just a waste of time
1: uh, but just to be fair to the gps they are a general oh yeah and they've so got like 10 so, minutes with yeah, you exactly. they don't have the time exactly. to, to go into this they don't have the yeah. time to
0: sit down with you i mean when we get a patient coming in we're spending an hour with the patient mm. we do we do the 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 x-ray analysis outside of the clinic hours You know, we're not doing that while the patient's there. We're looking at the images before. Your GP does not have anywhere near the time to be able to do that. So it does sound like, it sounds like Like. a bit of a dig and and it's not supposed to be a dig because they do only have 10 minutes with you. You can't help a back problem in 10 minutes. Mm. It's not a checkbox. They've got these things, do this. You need to have a deeper understanding of the problem. And also even even for me and, and many of you guys watching this, you've been on lockdown. You haven't been working for a little while. When you go back to work doing those things, you're going to be a little bit rusty you get good at what you see every day and what you do every day and this is a little bit of an off-topic point but it helps you guys understand what is in the what, what what's going on we deal with back pain patients with back problems day in day out every day in the clinic A GP, on average, will not be dealing with back problems. They're mostly dealing with people with uh, maybe some sort of illness, some sort of flu, or those sorts of issues coming in, and every now and then they're going to be dealing with more severe, nasty pathologies, which they're going to catch and stop you guys getting into a lot of trouble. But they're not dealing with back pain day in, day out. So you just just don't have that knowledge base that's at the forefront of your mind because you're not dealing with it day in, day out. Um, And that's really something important to recognize. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: All right, so uh, let's get into some some questions. Yep. Um, we've got somebody on YouTube who's, who said that they've suffered with a L four L five and L five S one disc herniation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they kind of they got better. They healed. They healed the disc, but then they started running yep. on it recently for twenty minutes a day, and then now they can start to feel the pain coming back again. Um, yeah, yeah. I get,
0: get a lot of, a lot of this on running uh, in particular. Um, People will go through this. They won't do any rehab. They'll maybe go through and just let it it kind of recover on its own. And even if they do do rehab, getting into running is something you really need to think about. If you, and I think that exact example, because I think I saw that comment, um, the person said they hadn't done exercise in many years or running in many years. If you haven't done anything in many years, you shouldn't be taking five weeks to get back into it again. You should be taking months, if not a year, to get back in. I think they were running like three times a day or three times a week, sorry, with 25-mile with, with, uh, cycling or something like that. It was, it was a lot of physical activity for someone that hasn't done a lot in years. The amount of impact that's going through your spine and going through those discs when you are running, if you are not used to running and don't have good technique, um, and if you're running too slowly for long durations, like 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, and you're running really slowly, you're gonna be putting an awful lot of impact through that disc. One really interesting thing, and this is why we do, come, we do, we do actually say that running is okay long-term. Um, there's some good research on looking at the collagen content of discs in runners, long-term runners. I'm not talking about the guy that's just picked up running for fi- five weeks ago. I'm talking about the person that's been running for years. And they do show that they increase the strength and integrity of those discs. And this is what we talked about at the start. Healing correctly, rebuilding stress, rebuilding stress through that disc so it can start to remodel and adapt to stress and strain it's the same as a broken bone they tend to heal stronger than they were at the start and if we are slowly doing running over a very long period of time many years and building it up over that period of time we will actually strengthen those discs really nicely and have stronger discs and the reason they're stronger is because the stress of running is greater than the normal stress day in day out so our body has to adapt to deal with that stress if we're just jumping in cold turkey after a long period of no running or no, none of those sorts of activities, we are going to have an injury because we will not probably have all the other aspects of diet that are on point and lifestyle that are on point. To protect that disc while we're going through adaptation.
1: Mm, that's really so it's interesting. A, it's a
0: very, very, very common mistake, uh, and I wish it's something less people made because it's, it's entirely self-inflicted.
1: And with patients, you recommend that they run for shorter durations. Yeah. So I don't faster. Yeah,
0: I can't um, point to any specific research, but looking at a general consensus on some of the running coach forums, and these are trainers that are looking at gait analysis and that sort of thing, they seem to suggest that around about eight-minute miles people start to have to have relatively good technique in terms of the impact going through the joints, et cetera. And therefore, if you're not running faster than eight minute miles, then you should not be running more than a mile. If you you can only maintain that eight minute mile pace for 100 meters, then that's all you're running until you can run 150 meters at that pace. It's about being, especially if we've got an injury, we have something that we're concerned about. We have an injury of some description, whether it's ankle, knee, back, or whatever. We need to be a little bit more careful about the way in which we're returning to activity, the way in which we're getting involved in activity. Um, The same way you might feel that way if a new member of staff joined your workforce. You've got to pay attention to what you're doing, pal. You haven't done this in a while. You don't know what you're doing. let's teach you and let's go through it slowly to make sure that any mistakes you make are small and we can correct them quickly and then I'll hand over more responsibility to you. Our body, we only have one of them. And a lot of things we can't replace. And if we replace them, they're not as good as the original one. So we need to, we need to do things a bit more slowly.
1: Another good analogy. Okay, all right. Maybe. Well, I don't know. You guys can vote <laughs> on that. Vote on
0: that in the comments if it was a good analogy or not.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs> so we'll jump over to Facebook. Joe has asked, how long does it take for a slip disc to heal? Good question. So it
0: really depends on the damage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it, could, it could take a couple of weeks uh, for it to heal. Something's some a minor disc strain. Um, and I think the slip disc term, although we've used it here, that's more to help identify to people the topic but the slip disc term is really not that helpful when from a point of view of understanding what a slip disc is and it's really a disc injury of some description which could be a minor strain all the way to a a, a raging herniation um which could be pretty bad Mm. um it really depends on the injury some of them some, some of them to build back to normal strength assuming we have a normal lumbar curve could take months seriously months like three four five six months and if we have curve issues, if we have alignment issues in the spine that are constantly putting more stress through that disc, then it can take longer because you're not addressing the underlying issues. Yeah. Um, and that can be people which have a reverse curve, for example, where the, that's fallen on the floor. If the curve's like that, we're constantly going to be driving pressure through this disc here or down here in the lower back. And if we don't change that, then it's not going to recover, yeah. not effectively in any way, shape or form, and it's going to be a recurrent issue.
1: But if you, if you do have treatment, you know, if you're having weekly yeah. treatment, like we had that patient that came in with crutches, like young, yeah. that young guy, yeah, 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 yeah. completely blown a disc. Yeah. And he did really well. Oh really yeah, he, so, so he
0: did well quickly yeah. um, and he recovered and he's off the crutches quickly, yeah. but his disc is not healed. Mm-hmm. His disc needs time to heal. He okay. needs to go through the rehab and quite often those guys, especially the young guys, as soon as they start to feel a bit better, they kind of stop doing the exercises. Yeah. Because the exercises are a bit boring and, and, and we've had it before. Like I've, I've, I've been sat there with a patient at the start of their treatment, you know, the first couple of sessions or one even first session. Oh man, I can't go to the pub. I can't, you know, enjoy, enjoy work after work with my friends. I've just come into London, for example, maybe a young person, and I can't enjoy the things that I came to London to enjoy because my back hurts and I can't stand up at the pub or whatever. And literally two, three weeks later, they're feeling better. And it's like, how are you doing with the exercise? Oh, I could, I didn't have the time today. I was at the pub. Oh, why is that? <laughs> and then, and then one guy, I even saw him at the pub. Like, I literally we were walking back from from the house to from, from the clinic, and I saw him at the pub. I was like, why are you telling me you don't have time for the exercises? You had time when you couldn't move, oh, and now funny. the pub is more important than the exercises. So um, that's one disadvantage young people have. They mm. definitely, it, it's that I feel like I'm okay. I'm going to go and do those other things. And it, it, it's a big mistake. It's cautious. Yeah, cautious. Okay. But not um, overcautious, mm-hmm. but, but sensibly cautious. Okay.
1: So Karen has asked um, if it's in the neck. Are there similar stretches you can do to take the pressure off?
0: Yeah, it's the same principles. It's exactly textbook, the same principles. We're doing things like the towel exercise for the neck to unload. We're probably going to be stretching these front of the neck muscles. So we did something with the bands the other day. I don't have a band to hand, um, but essentially having the band around the neck and just slowly going to the one side and then the other to stretch off these scalenes and the sternocleidomastoid muscles along the front. It's quite often that these guys are actually really tense because they're pulling the neck like that and, and these are stretched. And these are tense as well, but we don't feel it here. And it's only when we do that stretch, sorry, uh, that way, either way, stretch down the front or that way, or using the band that we actually realize how tight these muscles on the front are and how they're going to be contributing to squashing that little disc. Um, and, and when you look at the neck, I mean, we, we've shown you guys on previous live streams, the, uh, the, 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 the x-rays of the, the neck. In fact, I might have one here. Just on a quick side note, there's the neck. Um, have a look at how small those bones are. I mean, the primary bit is the the little square in front of the green line that's actually weight bearing that massive head. Uh, And that's normal, that's a normal sized head. It's not some crazy sized head. Um, That is a normal sized head and it just allows you to appreciate just how small the load bearing structure in your neck is. Mm -hmm. And if you injure it, that's why neck injuries, people turn into robots because they can't move properly. Um, It's it's really, if you mess up the alignment in your neck, it, it, it puts you in a really vulnerable position.
1: And the, and the human skull weighs like three to four kilos,
0: doesn't it? Uh, I think it was like, it's about, the, it's about the weight of a bowling ball or something like that. It, it, when, t- when people yeah. really injure their neck, they, they say stuff like, I'm aware of the weight of my head now. Like actually, I, I was never aware of the weight of my head, but now I've injured my neck, I'm aware of the weight of my head. It's very uh, Yeah, common. so I just Googled it really quick. Yeah.
1: 10 to 11 pounds, yeah. which is 4.5 to 5 kilos. So
0: that's the weight of our head. Um, so fill your bag hold it out in front of you and just appreciate what a forward head carriage can do and that will impact your lower back as well mm. if your head's going forwards like that it's going to impact your lower back too we have to bear that in mind very very important um, that's why for example we, we went through the other week uh in the premium membership the standing against the wall thing you know getting that getting that that whole body aligned up against the wall and if you realize that that's difficult to do then that's something you really need to work on because it's going to be that you're not standing correctly on a daily basis. And that is a big barrier for your lower back.
1: Okay, brilliant. Last question from Ollie. Yeah. Are there any other risk factors for oh, or for slipping a disc other than bending forwards? Um, we've got another question as well. Yeah,
0: sure. We'll go into that question afterwards. Um, the, are there any other risk factors for, for slipping a disc? Yeah, most, most of the time, it is a repetitive stress on those structures that we've highlighted on the board behind me, a repetitive for bending stress that has led to this issue. And what better example than sitting slouched on the sofa for extended periods of time during lockdown? There's a reason that more people are struggling with their back right now, Um, or immediately in the first couple of weeks after lockdown, because we're sat down for long periods. And if you go into the park and sitting down in the park on the grass, you're going to be rounding your back again. And it's those repetitive stresses over long periods that actually start to weaken the structures. And then they go on a one-off instance, something like putting your socks on or picking up a box or gardening
1: okay brilliant so um carla has asked the question here yep. um how should we be sleeping to help the disc in l5s1 to heal
0: so i definitely recommend looking at the live stream that we did on uh sleeping positions with pillows i think we did that last week so definitely yeah. check that out on youtube uh, all, all of the live streams uh on a side note are really uh, so much easier to look at on youtube on or the find, youtube channel yeah. or find because they're just like bang 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 Uh, under the live playlist. So we make it really easy for you guys to watch those, uh, you know, after the fact, which is really important. Um, But the sleeping positions for the l 5s one, I would say that the best position is going to be on your side, pillow between the knees. If you're a lady, then having a little pillow to just be here uh, to just support the fact that a lot of ladies have a wider pelvis to, to hip ratio. So you don't want to be lying on your side uh and and kind of dipping in like that that's going to create issues so having a little pillow here as well can actually really help stabilize and neutralize that l5s1 region um there is there is benefit to be to be doing the uh sleeping on your back with the legs elevated but the l5s1 that is going to it's quite commonly comfortable for a lot of people but it is going to run the risk of uh flattening the lordosis which is not necessarily the best idea so i'd I'd, um, I'd probably say the sideline is going to be better for you, and obviously going through those exercises and starting to get used to the towel is going to be really, really important in decompressing that L5S1 so it can start healing effectively, and then building up the core strength to protect, support, and stabilize that lower region of your of your spine.
1: Yeah, and we are on Fridays this week. For yep. our Friday's live stream. We are talking about back pain in the morning and how to okay. resolve that. Um, but just while Carla's on, um, just maybe mention about the shimmy. Yeah, that, that, so so
0: when you get out of before you get out of bed, if you do wake up and you're on your back, uh, then a really good one we get patients to do is you're just stood there and you do a shimmy. So you so yeah, you're lying down, obviously. Pretend I'm lying down. You're looking on top, and we just shimmy left and right. Okay, that's it. We're not twisting, none of that. A lot of the um, the the guidelines that you get I, I do that one where you line on your back with your knees up, and then you rock, twist them left and right. Do not do that first thing in the morning. Um, if you've got any aspect of instability, which is likely if you've got a fresh, a more fresh injury, that's just going to run the risk of creating a lot of trouble. So I wouldn't do that at all, ever, under any circumstances, unless you've been advised. Otherwise, by someone that so is giving you a, a good logic for that particular argument, but the shimmy left and right is a really good one. Do that for a couple of minutes. You'll find the first few shimmies might be a bit uncomfortable, and then it starts re-engaging everything properly. You can go a bit wider, a bit wider, a bit wider, and then stabilize yourself in the middle, roll onto your side, and it we get. That's okay. gonna be the best one. All
1: right, hope that helped, Carla. Okay, um, yes. Yeah, I think that's it for today.
0: Lovely. Uh, well, thanks very much for joining us and thanks for all the questions. Those are really, really appreciated. Hopefully you guys found this helpful on under- better understanding how to fix your slip disc from home. If you're new to the channel again and you found this video helpful, please do consider subscribing to the channel. You can hit the notification bell so you know we go when we go live, which we do mostly in the morning, uh, every weekday. Uh, So we've been doing that every single day since the 23rd of March. So hopefully you guys have found them helpful over time. And if you do find these these Q and A's at the end helpful, then please do consider sharing uh, the videos via social media or sharing the YouTube video or Facebook video as well, because that helps us help other people. And I'm sure those other people will be grateful as well.
1: And tomorrow the topic is sciatica. Yeah, tomorrow we're going to be talking
0: about sciatica at 8.45. So if you've got any questions, Uh, check out for the uh, pre-announced live stream and post those in the comments and we'll do everything we can to answer those on tomorrow's live stream but for now have a great day and we will see you tomorrow with another live stream